Welcome back to the Freight Waves Small Fleet Owner Operator Summit. I'm John Kingston. I'm the editor at large at Freight Waves. We're going to move on to another subject now. There are lots of things that can be said to be the lifeblood of trucking. I hear that term all the time. I use it myself. But for independent owner operators and small fleets, one of those lifebloods of, of their operations is certainly factoring. The quick description of factoring, if you don't know what it is, is that an invoice generated by a carrier sells that invoice to a factoring company, which quickly pays the carrier and then goes on to collect from the shipper. More complicated than that, which is why we have Marius Silverson today to talk about it. Marius is the CEO of eCapital, a company that has been making acquisitions in the factoring segment for several years and has started to become one of the nation's largest factorers. Prior to his position with eCapital, Marius was CEO and director of One Biocorp and founder of Teleplus World Corp. He has over 20 years of experience in structured finance, syndication, and mergers and acquisitions. Marius, welcome to the FreightWave Summit. Thanks for having me, John. So why don't you improve on my definition of factoring, which I will admit was somewhat cursory. Sure, absolutely. So I guess it, the best way to describe it is that uh, an invoice is, is generated as a result of a good uh, being sold or a service being rendered. And payment is needed uh, by the issuer of that invoice, which in our jargon would be the customer. So customer generates an invoice uh, to an account debtor. He needs to get paid. The account debtor tells him that he's going to get paid on a 60-day term, as an example. But the customer needs the money right away. So the customer would come to a company such as us. We would purchase that invoice, pay uh, the customer right away. And then we wait and get paid by the uh, ultimate account debtor. And obviously, there's um, a discount fee being charged as part of the transaction to accelerate the cash flow to the customer. And what is that discount fee? Is it the kind of thing that fluctuates with interest rates or is it fairly fixed? Now, of course, if you try to translate it to an interest rate, it's gonna, there's going to be a number that moves. But what is the discount rate running these days? Discount rate really varies based on the, the credit risk associated with that transaction, the volume that um, the customer is providing us, the quality of the account debtors. You know, it could be a, a, a fraction of a percent to, to one or two percent as a discount fee based on the term and, and the quality of the receivable. Right. And then you talk about the credit rating. So that would be the credit rating of the shipper that the carrier service, correct? That's correct. Yes. Okay. Now, do you take that discount rate and do you kind of net it out annually to, to get a figure on what you think the rate of return would be? Uh, you know, I mean, if you loan 1% per day, uh, you know, times 365 days, it's not a 365% rate of return. But you know what I mean? What does it work out to a, an average? Is there such a thing as an average annual rate that, um, that the uh, carriers are, are paying? Yeah, I know what, when I mean a discount rate, I typically mean a discount rate based on the maturity of, of, of the paper. So if the paper pays in 30 days, the discount rate is related to a 30-day payment. If the paper pays in 60 days, the discount rate would be related to a 60-day paper. Uh, in terms of, a, of, a, of an annual interest, uh, you know, we would typically um, inch, you know, in, in and around the, um, uh, the low double digits to the higher double digits. Uh, in terms of, a, of an annualized rate of return. All right, well, we're going to come back to that, that low double-digit, high double-digit rate a little later. Let me ask you what's going on now. Obviously, we have a very strong uh, freight market. Uh, does your business simply grow at the same rate as the freight market, or does factoring become more important or less important? Does it have essentially the same role? Are these really good days to be a factoring company? 
Well, look, I mean, since um, um, obviously the uh, the tail end of the pandemic, uh, we've seen a, a substantial increase in in transportation, in the movement of goods, you know, across the country. So from a freight factoring perspective, the market has been growing, you know, substantially uh, over the last several months. Uh, we've seen really record months uh, this year. Part of it is is a rebound uh, in the movement of goods uh, associated with some of the shortages we're seeing in inventories, uh, you know, across the country. There still are a number of goods that are still have not yet been delivered or in ports or still in ships, which need to be delivered. So we've seen a substantial increase in, in the number of shipments. So obviously, what this means is there's an increased need for liquidity. And as a result of it, there's an increased need for, for companies such as us to purchase invoice and provide that liquidity to customers that need it to basically pick up their next load. Can you give some indication of the rate of growth and the number of invoices you're, you're, you're taking in, you're buying these days? I mean, is it up, you know, comparing to last year is going to be tough now for you know quite some time, certainly right now. Well, let's say where you were compared to, let's say, two years ago. I know a lot of financial analysts are starting to do comps against 2019 versus instead of 2020. So how much are your numbers up? Numbers have been up substantially. I mean, you know, for comparing numbers, you know, this year in, in the first quarter versus last year in the first quarters, uh, our numbers are up by probably by by over 50 percent, in, in fact. So there was a substantial increase in the demand. Um, what we're seeing also is we're seeing an increase in the average invoice size. And that's the result of a couple of different components. Uh, one is uh, there's a shortage of, of drivers at this point, uh, which is obviously keeping capacity uh, fairly contained um, in, in relationship to the amount of, to the demand really. And we're also seeing an increase in the fuel costs um, in the first quarter of this year versus last year, which is also driving up the average uh, invoice cost. So we've seen about an overall about an 11% increase in, in the average uh, invoice size this year in comparison to the same period in, in the last quarter. Yeah, that's an important point to remember. While a carrier may say, a carrier that has a fuel surcharge can say, well, I'm just going to put it through my fuel surcharge. It's still got to get paid for somewhere. And if you're factoring it, then obviously that has to be considering the size of the invoice. That's a very good point. Every time I've talked to a company that's in the factoring business, the word keeps coming up over and over again, speed. You know, we're getting faster. We're faster than the competition. We'll pay you more rapidly. This is really the, the biggest issue because obviously the uh, the, the drivers want to get paid, the, the fleets want to get paid as quickly as possible. So is this the kind of thing that is you know, number one on your uh, your list? I, I would imagine you have two big priorities. One is to buy lots of invoices, and two is to pay them as quickly as possible. So what is the, what's going on with speed? Is it is it increasing? I mean, I should say decreasing. Is it decreasing at a pretty steady pace? Is progress being made? Yeah, that's an important question. Obviously, speed is key to our customers and, and is key for us. So one of the key considerations is when we receive an invoice is how quickly can we get that invoice funded? You know, question number one. And question number two, um, we need to maximize the amount of money we can provide our customer on that invoice. Uh, as much if we can provide close to 100% advance rate on that invoice and we can fund it quickly, it's a win-win situation for our customers. So what we've done is we've developed substantial technology, which allow, allows us to automate um, a large part of the submission process, meaning the invoice submission process, 
as well as the confirmation and the funding process of that invoice. Customer can, uh, you know, go through the online portals. Customer can uh, get access through the phone applications that have been developed to upload invoices. Uh, and obviously, our account managers are, um, um, you know, measured based on how quickly they can fund an invoice. So for us, we receive an invoice and, and we target to fund that invoice within hours of us having received it and make sure we fund the customer the same day. So he has his money and he's able to, again, go on and pick up a new load. So you're talking about same day payment. That, that, it's gotten that rapid? Yes, it's gotten that rapid. Yeah, and that's the expectation in our industry. Is the expectation is you know you receive an invoice, uh, you've got to process it very quickly, you've got to verify it, and you've got to provide the funding that same day to to your customer. And again, I just I kind of want to go back to this point because I'm kind of learning here. I would the, the credit worthiness that you're looking at is not the credit worthiness of the carrier because they're selling you the invoice. The credit worthiness that you're looking at is the credit worthiness of the shipper because you have to go and collect from them. Is that accurate? That's correct. Yeah, it's the shipper. And, and what we have is, is we have most shippers into our database. We have pre-assigned credit limits for those shippers. Our customers prior to picking up a load, uh, which has been ordered by a shipper, can verify online the availability of credit uh, for those shippers. They can verify how quickly those shippers historically pay us. Uh, and they can make a decision to pick up the load, uh, factor it, or not pick up the load based on the credit worthiness. But they they have all of that information on their fingertips and are able to execute upon an informed decision. And, and therefore, once they submit the invoice to us, they know it's going to get funded quickly. Right. So so a carrier uh, deciding whether to put their assets into whether it provides services to shipper A or shipper B, they would know if shipper A is on your good credit worthiness list over e-capital and they might prefer that over shipper B because they might only get refunded, might only get funded 75% through factoring. They have to go collect the rest. Is that the way it works? That's correct. Yeah. They can have access to that information. They can make a, an educated decision um, and, and that obviously helps them and it helps us. So technology is key here. You must be investing a tremendous amount of money into technology to allow that speed to rise. Is, is that an increasing size of your budget at eCapital? Are you spending more and more just to keep, not just to, just to keep pace, but also to get better, to get faster? Yes, absolutely. I mean, technology is absolutely key. We have a full IT team. We have developers uh, on staff that continuously uh, re-engineer, redevelop and improve uh, our back office technology. Um, you know, I, I would say, you know, we're, we, we use fintech as part of our process to basically automate um, and accelerate the funding process to improve customer experience. So I had you on my Drilling Deep podcast a few months ago to talk about factoring. And uh, after that, I found the interesting uh, I found the interview interesting enough that I turned it into a story, which I I don't always do. And uh, one of the things we talked about in there, I think actually was the, the, the thrust of the story I wrote, was that consolidation is coming to this industry. It's, it's ongoing now. Now, eCapital has grown to a larger size through consolidation. In fact, if I recall right, you weren't you weren't not a company named eCapital, but you acquired a company named eCapital and liked the name so much, I guess, that that became the name of your firm. So what is the, what is the case for consolidation and factoring these days? It's, it's definitely uh, something that is as a forefront at this point. I mean, we're seeing smaller players being acquired by larger players. I think what we're, we're, what we're seeing really in this market and what's happening in this market, we're seeing the emergence of much larger uh, specialty lenders. 
Uh, and, and I think that trend will continue. And I think sm- smaller guys will have a harder time compete. It's far, hard for a small guy to develop technology to automate the process. It's much easier when you're larger, you have the, the financial capacity to do so. So I think the market in the next two or three years will be dominated by a handful of, of, of much larger specialty lenders. And obviously, we're positioning ourselves to be one of those players. Yeah, and it's kind of, I want to circle back to a point earlier you made. You said if you take the discount rate and you annualized it out, you're talking about a rate of return on an annual basis that's into the double digits. And when I first started seeing that in various financial reports, like companies like Triumph that are publicly traded, the first question I had was, if it's that good, why isn't everybody in it? And I mean, I don't think you find factoring operations at you know, some of, I'm not going to name them, but you know, your your big commercial banks. I've never heard them as as uh, as significant or even participating in the factoring business. With those kind of rates of return on an annual basis, why isn't everybody in? And I'm sure it's more complex than that. But when I see those numbers, I figure everybody wants to be a factoring company. I mean, look, the the reality is that factoring is is an industry in which you need to touch your customer. You need to to touch them. You need to understand your customer. You need to build technology to be able to answer the needs. It's, it's just not that simple as just somebody as a new entrant comes in. I mean, there are some, some you know, companies come into the market, build up a $10, 20000000 million portfolio, and, and, and that's fine. But really, to, to build this up to hundreds of millions of dollars, to above a billion dollars, you need to invest substantial amounts of monies in technology, and you need you need to be able to touch customers. And the reality is, even commercial banks, commercial banks really focus on very large size transactions, uh, which utilize much less human resources and much less technology to service. Uh, which is why they're they're really not into the factoring world. We we service, you know, over four thousand business customers. We transact with over thirty thousand account debtors. I mean, it's it's really a machine at this point that we've put in place and it's difficult to replicate. Yeah. So yeah, I think I think you kind of make the point here. A, a large commercial bank does not really want to deal with individual owner operators that are a company that's got a fleet of t- five to 10 vehicles. That's correct. So it's not their the, business. Yeah. So the consolidation pace, do you expect it to pick up or is it mostly done or uh, is there a lot more to go? No, I think consolidation will continue for the next two or three years. Uh, I think uh, you know 2021 has started fairly strong from a from an MA perspective. There's a certain number of transactions that are currently underway and have and some of them that have completed. So I would expect that to continue throughout this year and 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 through the next, uh, as I said, two to three years. Do you have a number? I mean, how many factoring companies are in the U.S.? I mean, it must be a, not an easy thing to count, but can you give a rough estimate? And where do you think that number is going to? I mean, again, I would, you know, as an estimate, I would, I would say that there's likely, likely hundreds of factoring businesses across the U.S. Um, I, you know, I again, but I think there's going to be a handful, and when I say a handful, you know, six or seven very large specialty lenders, you know, in, in the next two, three years, and there's going to be another hundred which are going to be, you know, very small uh, operators, uh, which you know will service customers regionally, not nationally. Um, and, and I think eventually those portfolios will be purchased. Is there a, if, if there's a collapse in the freight market, which eventually there will be, doesn't seem to be happening anytime soon, but if there is a collapse two years down the road, what does that do to the trend or is it, that trend just locked in place? Well, look, I, I think as any industries, there, 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 there is highs and lows. Uh, I, I think eventually the, 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 fa- the freight factoring industry will see lows. 
uh, volumes will, will come down as uh, you know as as economic activity is reduced. It's just part of the cycle. You know, from us, from an e-capital's perspective, freight factoring is one of multiple industries we service. We service about eighty different industries. Uh, so, as one industry may you know reduce economic activity, and we may, we have a, a lower exposure to that industry, we may increase our exposure to other industries. We want to thank Marius Silverson. He's been our guest today here at the Freight Waves Small Fleet Owner Operator Summit. Marius, uh, we'll do this again. Do this again next year, whenever next time we have a meeting. Great. Thanks for having me, John. So, Marius has been talking about factoring. I've been your host for this chat, John Kingston. Please stay tuned.